This is Tuesday, April 13th, and one of the questions that we're going to be talking about today is probably the most important question any of us have when it comes to experiencing the blessings that come with a higher Christian life. Again, we're talking about sanctification, we're talking about living a holy life, and so the question is simply this, is it possible to live a holy life? Which sounds theological. More personal, it goes like this, is it possible for me with my sins, with my failures, with all my hangups, with my doubt and fears, is it possible for me to live a holy life? And the answer to this question, once you firmly cement it in your mind, will literally change your life and your relationship with Christ. What we've been looking at is Jude verses 24, and then finishing up with this doxology in verse 25, and seeing what we can learn about living a holy life, the possibility of living a holy life from these verses. Jude 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, and now the doxology, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. So much here as we look at answering this question. So let's jump right in. As we dive deeper into Jude 24, and the first, of course, of our three truths that we must believe in order to experience the blessings of the higher Christian life, today we find ourselves faced with this all-important question, this nagging question, this question that kind of defines where we are spiritually and in our faith with the power and the love and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the question is this, is it possible, possible, I'm not sure it will happen, but is it possible for me to live a holy life? In other words, can I experience victory over my sin and my shortcomings on a permanent daily basis? And if so, how can I literally feel the pleasure of the Lord as I allow him to live his life through me and therefore by doing that reflect the very character of the Holy Spirit? And if Jude 24 does teach that God will keep me from stumbling in not my pursuit of holiness, not just necessarily the security of my salvation, but also in my daily life pursuit of holiness, if Jude 24 does teach that, and as a spoiler, it does, what part do I play in this spiritual odyssey? Is God's ability to keep me from stumbling passive in my life? Or is it something that's active? And if God does provide for me the ability to live a holy life, then why am I not seeing more change in me? Why do I struggle so much? Why is it so hard? These are the types of questions that once settled by faith can literally change your life. They are liberating, they are freeing, and they will impute confidence in both the Lord and what his word says, and also in you as a child of God, once they are settled in your mind. But until they are firmly settled, doubt, fears, and failures will continue to plague your spiritual walk and hinder you from experiencing the higher Christian life. This is why this is the first of those three truths that must 
be believed. Before we go any further, though, when we're talking about God's ability to keep us living a holy life, God's ability to keep us from stumbling, and then define stumbling as not only dealing with eternal security, but also with sanctification and living holy, we have to deal with this elephant in the room, so to speak. Just like our salvation, God's sovereignty is paramount up until the point of justification. And that's, of course, when we become aware of our salvation and God declares us righteous. You can see this clearly in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Those are God's actions. Doesn't say we did anything. God foreknew us, and then God predetermined our outcome to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. This is that effectual calling where we experience God moving us towards himself. And those he also called, he also justified, declared as righteous. And those he justified, he also glorified at some point in the future. All of this in our salvation in Romans chapter 8 is something God does by his sovereignty. We don't do any of this. As a matter of fact, what is specifically left out of this chain of events here that Paul lays out for us is the stuff that we do do, which is our life of sanctification that comes between justification and glorification. I mean, this is all his doing. But after that, our free will in choosing to live or not live the sanctified life kicks in, and God is glorified by our choices to, as it says in Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. God provides for us a choice, but he doesn't demand we choose his way. Nor does he make us choose to walk according to the Spirit like robots who are forced to do something they don't desire to do. God is not glorified by making his creation worship him. He is glorified when his creation chooses to worship him. We are always free to give in to the lust of the flesh, and in doing so, experience the consequences of grieving the Holy Spirit. And we're also always free to walk in the Spirit, to surrender to the Spirit, and to obey the Spirit in a way that pleases Him. The choice is always ours. In the same way, God does not force us to live a sinless life after we come to him in faith. He, he desires we do, he provides for it, and he's given us the Holy Spirit, again, emphasis on holy, to live his holy life in us, yet the choice is always ours. So the question, the elephant in the room, is it within God's power to keep you from stumbling in your life of sanctification? Could God keep you living a totally sanctified life? Answer, absolutely. Absolutely. Because anything less would limit the power of God. And as a sovereign, omnipotent God, he can do anything he desires to anyone at any time without asking permission. Again, so can God force me to never sin again? Yes, he can. He has both the power and the ability to do so. Please understand that. But also understand he never will. Never. God does not force his will on us to do something he expects us to do of our own free will. 
which means you will never go a day without sinning. Does he have the power to keep you from sinning? Yes. Will he use that to force you not to sin anymore? No. Therefore, even though God is able to keep you from stumbling, you will never go a day without sinning. You on your own cannot live a sinless life, no matter how much you pray or fast or read your Bible or go to church. Why? Because we still live in fallen, lustful, selfish, unredeemed bodies that Romans 8.23 says, eagerly await for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Our bodies have yet to be redeemed. Therefore, sin is always with us. But the good news is that you can absolutely live a life of holiness and be pleasing to him. And you can do that today. Listen very carefully. The key to the sanctified life is not one of work, but of trust, rest, and surrender. It is not trying to live a life contrary to our fallen nature, only to succeed one moment and fail miserably the next. The victory comes when we stop striving and learn to allow the Spirit to live His holy life through us. And the presence of the Holy Spirit will empower our choices to live a holy life and give us the ability to stand against temptation and the attacks of the enemy with a supernatural strength that only comes from him. In other words, we're not doing this by our own power, which is prone to fail, but he is doing this through us. Therefore, we are not all on our own, and we are not left as orphans to fend for ourselves. Consider, for example, two verses. Here's the first one from James 4, 7. Very familiar passage. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Our part is to submit or surrender to God and resist or stand against the devil. That's what we do. Well, and I can do that. I can submit myself to God. I can resist or stand against the devil. But what does that mean? What powers behind that. I mean, I'm just resisting him. I can't conquer him. I can't overpower him. He's a supernatural being and I'm a fallen man. So who makes him flee from me? Again, our part to submit, surrender, and resist. And God's part is to make sure the devil flees from us. We don't have the power to force Satan to flee, but God does. So in this, God is able to keep us from stumbling or falling for Satan's lies and temptations once we simply resist him. God simply gives us something that we can do, and by surrendering to the Holy Spirit and being empowered by him, the result is something only God can do. See how that works? Second verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Again, a very familiar verse. Watch what it says. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. In other words, what you're going through, everybody goes through. But God is faithful. In what way? Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. In other words, we're allowed to be tempted, but God is faithful. He's faithful to keep us from stumbling, and he does some supernatural things behind the scenes to empower us to live victorious in the face of temptation. Note, 
When we face temptation, God, by his power and his power alone, will not allow us to be hopelessly tempted to the point of failure. But this passage says he will always provide a way of escape. How does he do that? This is something only God can do, working as he does in the background and behind the scenes and manipulating the chess pieces and the circumstances and only a way a sovereign God can do that we're totally unaware of. Again, this is another way God keeps us from stumbling by supernaturally providing a way of escape and limiting, as this verse says, our exposure to various temptations. And why should we be shocked at all of that? Isn't this what a good father would do to his children whom he dearly loves? And if a good father would do that to his children, isn't it exactly what our father would do for us? So as we close today, rejoice in the fact that God has empowered you, that God has promised to keep you from stumbling, to make sure that your choice of him and his choice of you and your salvation is secure. But not only that, that your desire for a life of holiness will be empowered so much by the Holy Spirit that you'll never stumble to the point that his grace will not provide everything you need to stand you back up and move you again in the way of Christ-likeness. He is with us. He is for us. He is behind us. What a great father we have. Please rejoice in this today, and we will talk again tomorrow. Until then.